Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. It's mid-morning Eastern Time. This is March 4th, 2022. We welcome you all to our Chapter 49 podcast. Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. Uh, I am a retiree, and I do volunteer work for Chapter 49 in the area of communications. Uh, Once again, we welcome our Chapter 49 president, Duncan Giles. Good to be here, Larry. And as uh, those of you watching on video can see, we have a return guest again, Lori McCann from Chapter 10, representing the employees in the Chicago, Illinois area. Lori, welcome back. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much, Larry. So great to see you. And- <laughs> Okay, we're gonna, gonna wish, be one of those podcasts. We're, gonna, okay, we're, we're ready to go. We started with the zingers. We barely started, so <laughs> you can see the what kind of a half hour this is, or more this is going to be. All right, uh, I think the best thing to do is to get started with the serious subjects because we have so many of them, and we want to start off with something that Duncan and I talked about last week. We still have no budget for the year. We are. Uh, October 1 was the beginning of the fiscal year. We are now in early March, and we, as as, as all federal agencies, including IRS, are still working on last year's budget. So, uh, Lori, I'd say this is no way to run a railroad. Well, if you think about it, we are halfway, almost halfway through this fiscal year, and we're still trying to get a budget. So absolutely, absolutely not. This is not the way to run it. But um, I'm, I'm going to say I don't expect anything less at this point. Well, I know that this, uh, Laurie, is the week of the legislative conference. You have some of your members in Washington, D.C. Who were you talking to? Well, it was virtual this year. It was virtual. So, um, and I actually attended uh, part of it. I was able to attend part of it. So it was great. Um, I was, we had uh, some good guest speakers. I was able to meet with uh, both senators from Illinois and uh, two members of Congress. Uh, Congressman Davis, who has been a great supporter of uh, NTU and uh, federal employees for years, and also Congresswoman Schakowsky, who uh, she is an honorary NTU member. She just she's just great. She's always speaking to us. So I was able to speak with them. Yes. And Duncan uh, uh, Susan Wright, who is a national vice president for our district, uh, and of course a member of Chapter Forty Nine, retired member. Uh, she represented uh, Chapter Forty Nine in this, as uh, Lori said, virtual legislative conference this year. Yeah, and my understanding is, is we didn't uh, get a chance to speak with any of our elected representatives. Uh, That's a big shock. Um, But we did speak to the staffers uh, to let them know the federal employee issues for those uh, employees here in Indiana that we represent. And there are numerous issues, um, whether they will listen to us and act on them here in Indiana Lord only knows, but we put it out there so that they understand that there are concerns and that should be listened to. And you know, Duncan, uh, kind of what Lori said, you know, what a way to run a railroad. We're still with no budget many months into our fiscal year. And I don't know if it's a good or a bad sign, but I've been watching all the tea leaves and all the new media reports. They've dried up. There's not any kind of uh, Armageddon like there's some kind of government shutdown coming. But on the other hand, Duncan, there's no indication that uh, they're anywhere near an agreement on our budget. 
Yeah, it's very strange at this point. It's almost like radio silence. It's gone way to the background. So I don't think it's in anybody's interest to have the government shut down. But, you know, again, this is just freaking ridiculous. They said, okay, we, we set this up for March 11th because we're very close. We have a framework. Yeah, we understand you need to work on the details. Let's get the darn thing done. Let's get something that that the majority can agree on so we can actually pass a decent budget. And, uh, Laurie, I, I'll give you the last uh, chance to comment on this, but I think Duncan uh, used the right word there when he talked about decent budget. We're hoping to get a budget that will fund our agency to where we can hire decently, serve the public, do the enforcement work we need to do. I guess the, the one question is, will we get a budget? The second question is, what kind of budget will IRS get in the end? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's just ridiculous, honestly, that we're still waiting on this budget. You know, they we're in the news constantly how uh, about the backlog and, and that type of thing. But we need help. You know, uh, we all know how many employees that we've lost over the last 10 to 15 years. We know we also know that we don't have uh, competitive wages uh, and we need to have competitive benefits, too. So, you know, there's there's a lot to it. And they need to go in and take care of this budget so that we can do whatever. I'm going to use my air quotation marks here. <laughs> <laughs> whatever hiring will be able to do, because it's been it's been a little difficult, you know, and, and I'll just put this out there. And, um, you know, if you're going to hire and if you're not competitive, you can you can say you want to hire ten thousand. You know, but you may end up with 1000 and then what will happen? You know, so we need a budget and then we need to see about, uh, and which is one of the things that we talked about during the ledge conference. One of the priorities was agency funding and not just, you know, not just now. So we need to be working on 2023 also. So, you know, so that we won't be halfway into the next year trying to get a budget. So, you know, get a budget for 20 for the remainder of 2022 and get a budget for 2023. Come on, enough is enough. Well, I'll stay with you, Laurie, because you mentioned we've been in the news mostly because we're so far behind on paper processing and includes even original returns, business and individual that have not been processed yet, adjustments sitting out there and amended returns that are just sitting in a pile of paper right now. Um, and, and this does dovetail with the budget. And I want to talk about that in a moment, but I, I think the, one of the issues that has been tangentially involved here, when the management began having meetings with the employees on this so-called surge, moving people from one part of the service to another, to open up the possibility of, of working on this paper inventory, NTEU got very little, if any, notice and all of a sudden, the management, after making a presentation, said, we're going to leave. Any questions, go to NTEU. They got off the, the conference call or video call, and the NTEU people were left without a briefing, not even knowing anything about it. So there has been a grievance filed on this, and I can't say I'm not too surprised about that. Are, are you, Laurie? Oh, you know what? I haven't had any coffee today, so uh, nothing can tell you what that means. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's bad oh my news. Gosh. <laughs> Let me tell you. I I so um it only affected a few of uh of the employees that's uh, in chapter 10. But I wanted to know, you know, what was going on. So I attended 
the meetings from the business units that they were currently in, you know, and so they gave limited information. They had limited information, but at least they gave it. They had, uh, you know, they engaged with the employees and then they told them, okay, so uh, next week or the end of this week, because there there were two different meetings I attended, um, W&I will have a meeting with the employees. And so I I said, well, okay. And they expected the employees to get more information. So I said, well, I'll attend one, uh, you know, just to just to see what they're saying to them, you know, because we were being bombarded, you know, by uh, we just had a few, but they were justifiably upset. So, you know, I wanted to be able to to explain to them, you know, what happened in both of the meetings. Well, I get I get on the meeting and um, one of they asked if they who was the NTU rep, which I thought was strange because you know it's all we already know who's assigned before the meetings so when they asked who was who was on the call i kind of hesitated i think that's bad but i did cuz i was like well wait a minute somebody else is probably assigned and one of the one of the chapter presidents was like oh i'm here you know and so it kind of went and then they said okay you'll you're the person you're the designated NTU rep so it's like that's ah, like oh that's really strange well, they read from a script and it was uh, Ryan Duncan, the guy that was at the table. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you could tell he was just reading word. For, he was not straying from one word. Let me tell you, he read it. And then when they, it was 15 minutes, maybe. And then they said, now, if you have any questions, uh, NTU will have the next 30 minutes. <laughs> And you can ask your questions. And at that, you know, and and at that point, well, actually, before I had said I was on, and uh, there were two other chapter uh, leaders that said we were on, but and they left, they left, and then they said, and they'll cut off at uh, forty five after the hour. So can you imagine? At it was unbelievable, unbelievable. And they didn't take one question from the employees, and then just threw it to into you. That was terrible. That was absolutely terrible. And you know, so, Duncan, you know, Duncan. I think that uh, <laughs> they didn't want to take any questions at that point because they knew that the employees were not going to be happy with that. And I suppose there's a, that was their reasoning that they wanted NTU to get the tough questions. But uh, Indiana does have some employees impacted. Uh, so tell us what's what's going on now. Yeah, because it's gotten to the point where, like you said, Larry, NTU National has filed on this because we're still undergoing post-implementation bargaining on this because of the fact that IRS said this was an emergency, to use Lori's air quotes, this is an emergency and we have to do this right away so we can work on the paper inventory. And yet their first move is to move people onto the phones and accounts management. And they still have not given an answer as to if there's going to be a one-to-one ratio of Okay, you're moving these people on the phones. Are you going to take people off the phones in the service centers? Haven't answered that. But as to answering any questions, I attended a meeting this week that was basically from the Cincinnati directorate. And the director, the acting director came on. Then the the, uh, chief of the uh, planning and analysis staff came on. And they were both kind of raw, raw, and let's see what we can do to help this out. They didn't take any questions. There were questions going on in the chat box. 
people were emailing me, Skyping me afterwards going, what the heck was this? And I was like, I, I actually emailed them both and said, I'm not sure what the purpose of this meeting was, but whatever it was, it was counterproductive and it didn't help anything because people are naturally upset. They've, you know, did not want to be in accounts management. They looked for other jobs. They found other jobs because they were done with being on the phones and now they're being pulled back in through no fault of their own. They never asked for volunteers to do this. Basically just said, okay, we're drafting these people and to not give them any answers and not give them any information is just nuts. You know, Laurie, uh, we know that this inventory is in the millions, but I find it interesting that if you, I look at the information that uh, Duncan has shared with me, that between both individual and business returns, that paper inventory is supposed to be somewhere around 11 or 12 million. I read the Washington Post and they say it's 22, 24 million. So first of all, we can't even agree on the numbers out there. But another part of this, and, and uh, the National Union has told us this, that there have been meetings ongoing ever since the pandemic began. It started off as weekly, bi-weekly. Now it's a little less than that. But uh, there have still been regular meetings between management and union ever since the pandemic started. And this paper inventory has been sitting there for a long time. And now, all of a sudden, management has declared an emergency. Do you see anything wrong with this picture? Well, we should have been talking about it from the beginning, but it became an emergency uh, to me. This is just Lori. It became an emergency when it became an emergency to Congress. You know, when those constituents started complaining that that's just me. They let it sit there all of this time. Um, as Duncan just stated, you know, why are you pulling people on the phones if you're going to work, if, if you have a, a paper backlog? What sense does that make? We all know that they that the level of service on the phones has been crappy for how long and it's gotten lower and lower and lower. So are they trying to use this as an excuse to try to, you know, get some people? <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> right, right. So you're gonna throw people on the phone, deal with the paper if that's what you need to deal with. You know, you never said a word, not one word about it for one year in how many months, and then all of a sudden. It's an emergency. I'm calling them on it. That's all I have to say. Well, no, I mean, an emergency for one person. I, I, what's that old saying? An emergency for you is not due to a lack of planning is not an emergency on my part. <laughs> kind of remember that old sign I used to see at cubicles and sort of reminds me of that. So um, NTU is, has, done, has filed some uh, unfair labor practice and grievance procedures on how the management handled this nationally when uh, the union had it. I mean, they had a chance to bring the union in for a solution. Instead, they declared an emergency and dumped it on the union and the employees. And I think what we're seeing is it's, it's not working out so well. Let's go back to Duncan and start a new subject. This is the RTO return to office. I think if we watched uh, President Biden's State of the Union address and some of the other uh, announcements that have come out of the, the White House, the White House has been offering, uh, and the president himself has offered comments complimenting federal employees. We haven't seen that in every president, and he has chosen to do that. But he's also committed to get uh, uh, 
to get federal employees back into the offices. And I think, uh, you know, this was something that, uh, Duncan, you and I talked to about with the National Union representatives a couple of weeks ago, uh, the fact that Social Security hasn't had their walk-in offices open for months or maybe a year or two. And yet uh, IRS, even though we don't have a return to office order like Social Security does, we've had our Mm -hmm. Uh, Taxpayer Assistance Center is open now. It's limited service, and we do what we can. Appointments required, but at least they're open, and people can get in if they have to. So um, what we're seeing here is maybe a right and a wrong way to do that. Uh, Even though we're hearing all this uh, information come out of Washington, and this is a broken record, Duncan, we still do not have a return to office date. We don't have that 30-day notice invocation yet, do we? No, we do not. And you just mentioned that key thing. The IRS is committed to giving an employees a 30 day notice. And every morning, to be honest with you, every morning now, when I fire up my computer, which usually takes a couple of times because we are on the cutting edge of technology, um, that I, you know, okay, it's the first thing I'm going to see is going to be this return to work 30 day notice. It has not hit yet. I expect it to hit any day now. Um, with the president saying, you know, he's ready for the return to office. We're hearing that it's going to be done in phases. Who's going to be phased in? Who's not going to be phased in immediately? We don't know yet. Um, They're still working through that nationally. I'm not sure National NTU has gotten all the information that they need yet. Uh, But I do know it is being worked on there. But yeah, I would tell folks, and I have been telling folks that are saying, I'm not going back to the office. Yeah, you are. You're going to have to go back twice a pay period at the at the least. I apologize for that. Uh, Lori and I, among the other chapter presidents and the NTU leaders who are on the uh, bargaining team, tried very hard to get the stay at home to work from home. IRS would not go for that due to locality pay issues. We tried to go to the mat on that and just couldn't get it done. So people will be having to come back to the office at least twice a pay period. And I would be expecting that uh, any day, that notice any day. And Laurie, uh, I'll I'll say this based on what you and Duncan have told me about, and you were the only two chapter presidents at the national agreement bargaining table the entire time. Other chapter presidents came in and out, but you were there the entire time beginning to end. And uh, you and Duncan have made it clear that every effort was made by your bargaining team on the union side to try and get a situation where people could work from their home most or all the time. Other agencies have done it, albeit smaller ones, but it is being done. And the locality pay situation is an issue, but other agencies are finding a way around that. So uh, what are you hearing in terms of return to office and all these other issues related to it? Well, just like Duncan, I'm, I'm getting the emails from the members, uh, and whenever I send a meeting, that's one of the first things that they ask about the return to office. And, uh, you know, they're concerned. They're concerned. And I understand. Uh, I understand that they're concerned. So they want to know, when is it going to happen? And lately, I've been saying very, very soon, you know, uh, I'm thinking 30 days, we're going to get the notice, like Duncan said, at any time. So you're talking about April or May or something like that. So I keep telling them it's coming, it's coming. 
So then once you say that it's coming, just like Duncan, well, I don't want to go back. Well, do you have a, you know, okay. <laughs> I understand it, but it's going to happen. So what are you going to do? I, I'm afraid that uh, we're going to see more retirements. If not now, then at the end of June, I know they expected to have a lot more uh, before, you know, and people didn't retire because they were able to work from home 100%. So once that evacuation order is lifted, I'm thinking that at the end of June, we're going to see an influx of retirements. That's what I that's what I think is going to happen. And, and you know, Laurie, another issue that I think is related to that, uh, the fact that uh, there are a lot of jobs out there that pay pretty well where you can work at home all the time in the private sector or even another government agency. I mean, we could not only have a wave of retirements, we could have people just leaving the service. That, that goes back to competitive pay and benefits and, you know, and being able to telework. So if you can work remotely 100 percent and have great benefits, you know, and receive more pay, mm, I think we're going to have a problem. So anything on uh, returning to office you'd like to add, Duncan, before we move on? Yeah, it's just one of those things where we tried to get as many people in as many positions as possible onto the ability to do frequent telework where they only had to come in twice a pay period. But I was talking uh, this morning to our chief steward, Gail Groves, who is a management and program assistant. And her point was extremely well taken that we wanted to get some of those folks and the clericals on the list as well. But they said, oh, no, they're going to have to come in. And she's like, there is nothing that we have to do that we have to come in for that we can't do remotely. And so we're going to have, I think, Lori, myself and the chapter leaders all across the country are going to have, uh, in some sense, battles with management over this type of issue. Because basically saying, why do these people have to come in more than twice a pay period? They shouldn't have to because of the fact that their work doesn't demand it. There is some work that has to be done in person. Absolutely, we understand that. But if it doesn't, let them work from home, job satisfaction, employee engagement. Let's try and work through that. And let's just say we don't know when people watch or listen to a podcast or recording. This, as I mentioned earlier, on March the 4th. By the time somebody hears this, it's possible that 30-day invocation has been made. So just be aware that we're telling you what we know at the time we record this. But one last thing on this, Laurie, uh, Duncan and I talked to Ken Moffat uh, on a podcast about two, three weeks ago, and uh, he mentioned that this will be a a phased-in situation, that once that 30 days uh, elapses and we're back uh, to where we were, it won't be just a sudden change. There will be some kind of a phase-in. Do you think that will help at all? It depends on who's in that first phase, to be honest. If, if the first phase is 90% of the employees, that is, is, you know, which at the rate this is going, you just don't know, you know, if it's just a few. I mean, they have to look at the fact that it's been working. It, you know, other than the backlog, really, it's been working. Um, I, I'm wondering about TAS, uh, you know, uh, they're going to, I think they're going to rush back and try to be in the first phase. Uh, and even though the the case advocates receive frequent, I think that they're going to try to throw so throw so much stuff at them that they won't be able to do it. But you know, it has worked. If if we, the technology is the issue. 
the technology is the issue. But look at what happened when uh, when the employees had to go home for due to the pandemic. Look at the from the call sites. So that's an example. So before, what was it? A small pilot that they had for the uh, you know to to take the calls at home where they could work from home. Then all of a sudden, you know, they figured out a way for them to be able to do it. So why would they have to come in to the office now? You know, if they were able to figure out a way for them to take the calls at home, you know, you're going to take the risk of losing employees, you know, that you can't, you really can't afford to, to lose any more CSRs? Absolutely not. So I, I don't know, this this phase thing, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I, actually, from Larry and Duncan, to be honest, from some of the meetings that I have attended, I, I can tell that those business units they definitely want to be in phase two. They want to, mm-hmm. you know, be, they want their employees to continue uh, to telework. So we'll see. Well, and as Duncan, you alluded to this, uh, Laurie, Duncan said this many times, how um, the management had uh, just continued this broken record of, we don't have the capacity in our system to, for CSRs to work at home and other people on the call centers to go home and work. And all of a sudden when it had to be done, guess what? It, it got done. So uh, I think that's something that everyone should keep in mind as technology begins to move ahead. Maybe there's more that can be done than we even know. Duncan, I'm going to go back to you. You and I uh, spent a lot of time in the toll-free uh, part of, of uh, IRS, the call centers, and years ago, there was a time during the non-busy time, we actually had non-busy times like in the summer, where the uh, toll-free center in Indianapolis would just simply close down for a day and have an employee appreciation day. We'd usually go off-site somewhere. I mean, there, was, there were programs that were related to work, but it wasn't, an, it wasn't like you're taking one call after another that day. And they called that employee appreciation day. Now, toll-free hasn't had one of those for a long time, as I understand it. But uh, you were uh, telling me that this is the nationally recognized Employee Appreciation Day all throughout uh, both the private sector and the government sector. So uh, what comments do you have on this National uh, Employee Appreciation Day? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, you know, if you go on Google or uh, sites like that, it does tell you that it's Employee Appreciation Day. And... For all of you listening to the podcast, the vast majority of you IRS employees, I, I for one, on behalf of National NTU and chapter leaders and our field offices, just want to say thank you for everything that you do, because you folks have been freaking awesome through this entire pandemic, and you get don't get told that enough. The field offices of National NTU as well as National NTU headquarters, has done an awesome job through all these years and are still kicking it through the pandemic. They're doing just so, so well. And lastly, I want to thank the chapter leaders out there, the chapter presidents, the vice presidents, the other officers, the stewards, who battle for employees each and every day. I just want them to know that they are appreciated. Even Lori. (laughs) 
know what. Well, now we know he's sincere. Yeah, the, the sincerity dripping from uh, Duncan Giles. But you know something, Laurie? I do think that's that, that at one time when I was working in the service, you know, employee appreciation was something that the management actually made an effort to do. Now I see a lot more. Uh, I don't know how to say it, verbiage or, hey, we appreciate you, but there's not a lot done to back that up. So your thoughts on the general in America uh, Employee Appreciation Day today? Well, you know what? I, one thing I want to say is I, I think that um, federal employees in particular uh, are just awesome that they show up. They're committed because it's a commitment. They made a commitment and they show up each and every day, no matter what. These are challenging times these past few years, but even before that, you know, with the loss of employees, they worked hard, they have worked hard, they're still working hard, and they show up for the taxpayers and for each other. So I appreciate everyone who is out there working hard for us. I appreciate Ann and and Thomas and uh, even Mike McCauley. (laughs) I appreciate all of them. <laughs> just, just for people who don't know, these are the people, uh, the the attorneys that work in yeah. the Chicago field office, of which uh, Indianapolis, our attorney Thomas and our previous attorney Ann both work out of that Chicago office. So just so you know. Sorry, sorry. I, I, you know, I'm under the assumption everybody knows how great they are. No, I, they are just great. Um, and at a national office with with uh, Dan Casper. And Ken and, and Doreen and Tony and and the whole staff, you know, everybody is just they're just great. And I appreciate every single one of you, honestly. And, and Larry, I appreciate you. No, I do. I appreciate you taking the time as a retiree mm-hmm. to get this communication out to your members every single week. That's a commitment. And I appreciate it. I I listen to it every week. I'll tell you that. So I appreciate you. Even if Duncan doesn't, I appreciate you. I just want you to know that. Well, yes, I I must say, uh, as a retiree, uh, sometimes I can think, you know, I could be doing something else while I'm doing all this. But uh, it's a labor of love and something that Duncan and I cooked up. And I couldn't do it without Duncan's support. So I always try to, to work that in. So now that we've finished with the Zingers, uh, you've talked about chapter presidents and chapter officials. Uh, Duncan, you would like to say something about a particular uh, chapter president within the NTEU family. Yeah, uh, we got, uh, Lori and I got word today that uh, the president of chapter 26, a gentleman, and I truly mean the word gentleman, named Terry Scott, has gotten engaged. And Terry is just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Not only is he a tireless advocate for both his employees and any national teams that he's on, but he has just got a huge heart. And I just want to take this opportunity to say to him that I'm very happy he's found it. And to everybody else, I just want you to realize IRS is work. Or if you're watching this and you're not with IRS, it's your job. It's not your life. You know, you're not going to find happiness there. You're, you know, Terry has found that happiness with that person. You know, if you're, um, if you're with somebody, you know, cherish that, spend the time with them, whether it's a significant other, whether it's your children, you know, my daughter, 
Madison got married to uh, her uh, now husband, Travis. Let's mention his name, Travis, um, this past fall. You know, and that's that's what it is. That's life. I've found a wonderful lady and I'm spending as much time as I can with her because that's life. This is not you know, IRS's work. It's not life. So I just want everybody to, you know, go out and be like Terry. Find that happiness if you don't have it, whatever that may entail. And just so you know, Chapter 26, where Terry Scott is the president, is, is the chapter out of Atlanta, Georgia. And I know, uh, Laurie, you know him as well. Yes. Oh, you know what? Terry is such a nice person. Uh, just a really, he has such a wonderful spirit. And it, it when he enters the room, you know, his, his that wonderful spirit comes with him. So we're I'm very excited and very happy for him. And and one and I just want to tag on when when Duncan was talking about work life balance. Uh, you know, we those words are thrown out so many times at us. You know, work life balance. Do this work, but have work life balance. <laughs> you know, make sure everything is done, but have work life balance. But it is so important. You know, life is so short, and we don't know what's going to happen from day to day. So we do want to have work life balance. And so um, I want to encourage everyone to take the time, whether it's with loved ones or by yourself. You know, sometimes we just need to take a minute to stop and think and just take a breath. So just work-life balance for real. Well, well, Lori, we're about out of time here. Any That was a nice comment there. Any other final comments, something we did not uh, touch in this podcast that you'd like to comment about? No, Larry, you do such a great job reining us in and keeping us... <laughs> on topic and uh, with everything that's up to date. So thank you so much. I just want to thank you for the invitation to join the two of you today. It's always a pleasure to have you. And uh, I've been accused of trying to rein in Duncan Giles. I have not yet succeeded in doing that, but <laughs> I have certainly I have made efforts in that way. And I will segue that into uh, Duncan Giles' final comment for the podcast. Yeah, I just, um, again, my uh, thoughts and are with the, the people of the Ukraine as they literally fight this valiant battle against a totalitarian regime that wants to overtake them. Folks, this is truly how democracy is defended. They are, they are in the streets, ordinary people doing what they need to do. And, you know, my heart just goes out to them. And, you know, I, I hope that right will win in the end. You know, I got one quick story. There's so much been written about and and uh, broadcast about the, that uh, Ukrainian-Russian war right now, and and there's one story that I think uh, maybe is an idea as to how this may end. People don't realize how much the Ukrainian and the Russian people are intertwined. I mean, families that are Russian and, and Ukrainian marry each other on a regular basis. Like 20 percent of the people who live in Kiev, the the capital, are Russian. Uh, yet they have maybe married a Ukrainian person. Ukraine was part of the old Soviet Union. There's just a and there's just a, a, a connection that those peoples have had going back a very long time. And the story that struck me was uh, a group of Russian soldiers who essentially gave up to a group of civilians, and the lady who uh, took them into her home gave them something to eat and allowed these guys 
to call their mothers in Russia, and their mothers had no idea that these young men were actually in Russia as as part of some uh, sort of an invasion because they just weren't getting all the information uh, and it, the way the Russian uh, government tries to uh, to control the media. So if there's any hope, there's this connection that has always been around personally uh, between the Russian people and the Ukrainian people, and maybe maybe there's hope that this will all be settled in the end. With that, thank you to Laurie McCann for once again joining us. Uh, thank you to Duncan Giles, as you always do, to, uh, joining us. We can find your pod, the podcast of the Chapter 49 podcast, video-wise, on YouTube. Just search for Duncan Giles. You'll find more than one. Just check for the one that uh, has all the Chapter 49 podcasts for the last several months we've had on video. Uh, also, if you're looking for the audio podcast, or on almost every audio platform you find podcasts, just go and search under Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N, and you should be able to find our podcasts. Again, we we um, talk about things that uh, apply to Indiana, but we also talk about things that apply nationally. I know we have an audience nationwide, and we appreciate that. And if you think others can get something out of this podcast, please feel free to go ahead and and share the link. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind. Mm -hmm.